tonight we we're gonna we're gonna transition not only in talking about God's wisdom, but but we're gonna we're gonna transition in seeing what God says about wisdom, because we, as we always do, we need to apply. Because if we're not gonna if, if we're not if there's an application, what's the point? What's the point? So we see that that the biblical definition of wisdom is this perfect ends by use of the most perfect means, and so God's wisdom is always perfect. Makes sense, doesn't it? What is wisdom? How would you define wisdom otherwise? Because if we sat here in this room and there was a secular group of people and we said that wisdom is defined, God's wisdom, that's the first thing that they might be turned off about. Who cares about God's wisdom? Okay, if they were a secular group. But perfect ends by perfect means for the perfect result that is perfected by God, no matter what the conditions, circumstances are perfect, perfect, perfect. I like that. You might, that might, you might not get some people to relate to that. So how might you define wisdom in ways that your friends might understand? Maybe your friends that aren't believers. If somebody's wise, what are they? Smart. Smart? What else? Knowledgeable, experienced. Okay, good. Because you know the 57 Webster says this. Wisdom is the accumulated learning, knowledge, insight, ability to discern, good sense, and judgment. And then right underneath that, it defines wise. Okay, so this would be a person that is wise. As one who is prudent, sensible, judicious, informed, and knowledgeable. So we have these definitions. We have a Webster's definition, and we have a biblical definition as defined and put into words by A.W. Tozer. That's the that's the qualification. A.W. Tozer, in his book, put this biblical definition together. So what then is wisdom? What is it? And are there different kinds of wisdom? Okay, so are those are you so there's God's wisdom and there's our wisdom. Are those two different kinds of wisdom? Most definitely. I'd say no. Mark says no. Okay? So most definitely God's wisdom and your wisdom are two different things. Absolutely not. God's wisdom and your wisdom are. Well, they're certainly not the same thing. What, I'm, what I would suggest is that there really is only one kind of wisdom, and that's God's wisdom. And that anything, that to me, it's like love or other uh, things that we experience, where the real one is what we see in God and what man <coughs> experiences and purports to be those things are shadows of, and sometimes even similar to, because we're created in God's image as human beings, fallen or not, you know, 
say they're not that handsome. I would suggest there's only one one love and one of anything that is who and what God is. Anybody want to comment on what Mark just said? That there is only there's really only one kind of anything? Because that's uh, paraphrasing what you just said is that everything I mean we're looking at the attributes of God. This is God's this is truth. That the attributes of God are who He is. He's describing Himself in these attributes. And so God's wisdom is an attribute, just like whatever what all of the other attributes that we've been looking at. His eternality, He's eternal. Okay? He's the omnis, omniscient, omnipotent. Okay, that's interesting. So, so Dora says that God, God is all wise. God has all wisdom. He is all wisdom. So that is the wisdom. So, and, and I love this because the, the, the reason for the two different definitions is nowhere in the, in the Webster's definition for, for wisdom did you, did you find the word perfect. I love that because so God is in God by his nature is all perfect. Okay, so now wrap your mind around that concept. So he's all wise. There is one kind of wisdom, isn't there? Now, explain yourself because there because we're human beings and we cannot have the same wisdom that God has. Otherwise, we could be gods ourselves. Okay, oh, this is good. So, <laughs> so we can't have the same wisdom that God has. Who agrees with that? Who agrees with that? Who agrees with the fact that we can't have the same wisdom uh, as God? Uh, as briefly as possible, I agree with everything that's been said by Mark Bodycom, Doris Christian, and Susan Rowland. My, my so they don't, they're not contradictory. Okay. No, no, I'm not trying to be. Okay. I'm not okay. very good at politically correct. Uh, you all know that. The, uh, my, my thing is that the wisest man that's ever lived didn't have but a small portion of God's wisdom. Okay. We, we can attain more of God's wisdom. We, we are going to get there well here. Okay, but the question is, are they different? That's the question. And I was going to say, unregenerate man has even less. Okay. You know, like these all college professors think they're so mighty and wise. They really don't know much of anything. Mm. <laughs> but Joanne, we're failing in answering this question. So, but, that's, but no, you make a good point. So, trying to clarify yourself, it, and it's it's good because so Mark says there's one kind of wisdom, and we're looking biblically, aren't we? We're looking at biblical truth. Where does truth come from? God, okay, and God is perfect. We're looking at His wisdom. He is all wisdom. So God, since He is all wisdom, and, and who in the room can grasp all of that? Okay. So God is all wisdom and he is perfect in all of his attributes mm-hmm. and and yet you are trying to so you're try, you know, now what you're trying to do then is you're trying to figure out is it the same wisdom as this all perfect wisdom that you don't that you that you can't attain but does that make it different because you can't attain it 
Okay, it's an interesting. We're going to hold that. We're going to hold that because we're going to look at some biblical references here that are going to give some some meat to that, if you will. Um, does God have expectations of us relative to business? <laughs> Doris says yes. Okay, so one expectation of God okay, is to seek out wisdom. Okay, Any other expectations that God has of us relative to wisdom? I mean, Jesus walked around and said, hey, follow me. What did that mean? Yeah, exactly right. And if, and if you weren't clued into what that meant, following him meant be like me. And the, the apostles, you know, they, they, <laughs> these guys that were following him, that, that bumbled around and tried to figure all this out. And then, and then in the power of the Holy Spirit, were able to write. Okay, Because trust me, they didn't write that stuff. God wrote it through them. And it was about following Jesus, mimicking, I love that word mimic, mimicking Jesus. That's a follower of Jesus is to mimic Jesus. And, and who is Jesus? All wise. Jesus uh, never, was it Tozer that said, Jesus never had to apologize. I love that. So he says, I love it when Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Okay. Or, uh, you know, he, he makes those kinds of comments. Did he have to do that? That was a pretty something pretty important. But I think everything that he said was pretty important. So the idea is, is that is that God does have expectations of us, and we are to seek that wisdom, and then He even tells us how to do it, and we we know that. And so, how do we gain that wisdom? Then, if we're supposed to seek it, how do we gain it? Oh, okay, we read scripture. We ask Him. What do we ask Him? We ask God for wisdom. Okay. How else do we how else do we gain wisdom? Through experience. Through one another. There's a multiplicity of ways that we that we can gain experience because experience by its very nature is experiential. So just the experience of experience will you will gain wisdom. And so the key in terms of what we're going to look at tonight, uh, biblically, is what do we what do we do with that? Because we have to know what do we once we once we have it. And I think the struggle for most of us is we try to compare how much of it we have compared to God. Well, that's not. I think we have to be careful with that, okay? Because it's the same wisdom, because it's the wisdom that He has expectations of us. To attain. Interesting. Interesting. So let's take a look at Proverbs three nineteen, and let's take a look at this God of infinite wisdom. God, this God that is all wise, perfectly. Very difficult for us to grasp because we're not. Okay. Very difficult. Proverbs three nineteen. Who would like to read? By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundation. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. What does that mean? The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. 
What is that telling us? He's the creator. He knew what he was doing, okay? See, I love the Genesis account because when, when God was creating, um, what, did, what did he physically do when he created? He spoke things into existence. And, and that's really interesting because Proverbs tells, tells us that it is by his perfect wisdom. I think you can go there, can't you? By his perfect wisdom, he founded that speaking into existence. Wisdom had a big part. God's perfect wisdom. Oh. I don't know about you, man. I, I, I was sitting at my desk this morning after reading that, and I'm thinking, how's that work? I have the slightest idea. I, 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 it's beyond my... For quite some time, I was trying to figure out, okay, it's by wisdom that the Lord founded the earth, and it's by His understanding. So He's all-wise and all-understanding. And so what did he establish by his wisdom and his understanding? The heaven and the earth? Order I would, and what? Order out, of chaos. Yeah, order out of chaos? Just order. Just everything. I've never seen that before. I always think about God speaking things into existence, but I've never focused on Proverbs 3.19 that says the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. And by his understanding he established the heavens. That's everything. Wisdom and understanding, perfect wisdom and understanding, had a great deal to do with the foundation of everything that God is. Wow. Job 36, 5. God is mighty, but does not despise men. He is mighty and firm in his purpose. And if you had a new King James like Doris, it would say that he is mighty in, in his strength of understanding. So that's what Doris's version would say. Behold, God is mighty. What is mighty? Strong. Extraordinarily so. The word might is powerful. It's not like mighty mouse. It's it's might might and is you know the original language comes from an extraordinary amount of something. So he's mighty. He despises no one, and his he's also mighty in his strength of understanding. He's all he's all understanding. Mighty understanding, mighty wisdom, mighty God did things. The foundation of a lot of who God is is this is this wisdom and understanding that goes well beyond our understanding. Interesting. Since we're kind of doing a survey, let's go to Psalm 147.5. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. If you were going to interpret that, Mark, just having read Psalm 145 or 147.5, how, how would you, if you were going to paraphrase that, how would you do that? Um, I would say that his power is limitless and that is, I guess I, I think I understand the equation to wisdom. You know, 
has no limit. Um, so his wisdom and exercise of his power, which is limitless, is all wise. All wise, all, there's a theme going on here in these first few scriptures. We're taking a look at it. We see, we see that God created everything on the basis of his understanding and his wisdom. He's all understanding. He's all wise. He has all knowledge. We know that, don't we? We already know that. So it's kind of like it's a, it's a no-brainer. There's this, there's this biblical truth about this infinite wisdom of God linked to this infinite knowledge of God. And we see this multiple times in Scripture where when God's Word talks about His wisdom, it also talks about His knowledge. It's really interesting to me that those two are linked. There's about 47 references where knowledge and wisdom, the knowledge and wisdom of God, are linked so that became pretty powerful to me just in my own study in, in, in thinking through, okay, so is there, is there a link? Is wisdom linked to knowledge? Think about it not only in biblical terms, but in your own life. Is wisdom linked to, to knowledge? How so? Because therein lies the issue that, that I think Susan was attempting to articulate because what happens is, is that we think, about, we think about God's wisdom and its perfection. And we think about his understanding. He's all understanding. So we don't understand his all understanding because we're not capable. And we don't understand his all knowledge because we're not all knowledgeable. But do we have knowledge and do we have understanding? Therefore, do we have Wisdom. Some. <laughs> we, we have wisdom. In, did you say small quantities? Is that right? <laughs> oh, not necessarily. Well, making a good decision based on. So that's the catch. Making that. You could have all the knowledge, all the experience, but if you don't make that conscious decision, that wise decision, that godly decision, then it's, you know, you're not using it. Exactly right. And so and so and therein lies our our brief study tonight on God's wisdom and then its application to us based on what his expectations are, um, both for and of us, quite frankly. Uh, turn to turn to Romans uh, uh, eleven thirty three, because we're going to see this linkage again. Both the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable <laughs> There's that knowledge and wisdom of God uh, linked again <coughs> biblically in Romans, and then finishing up with this truth about how unsearchable are God's judgments. Because of his perfect wisdom and perfect knowledge. Don't you just love it? And you have a problem in your life and you don't have a clue. It's like the whole Romans 8.28 thing. 
you know, okay, I believe that all things are going to work for good, you know, for, for those of us that are, that are, you know, seeking the Lord in all things, right? I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works, but I believe that it is through God's perfect wisdom and His perfect knowledge and in His perfection, you see, He already has it worked out for our benefit. I don't like it sometimes, but who wants to go through stuff that's not fun to go through? Uh, and yet, there's, in some cases, I think, even intentionality on God's part. You ever had God try to get your attention? Yeah, I would hope that the answer to that is yes, otherwise you're not alive. You know? And, and he, does it, he does it perfectly. But it's not perfectly in my book. I mean, you know, you ever thought that? But it's always perfect in his. Because he already knows the beginning from the end. He already knows what his purposes are. He already knows exactly what you need. He already knows exactly how you're going to respond to that in his perfect knowledge and wisdom. That blows my mind. And then in Colossians 2, 1 through 3, I'll just read this one quickly. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you, uh, for you and those in Laodicea, for, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, this is Apostle Paul speaking, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge, wisdom and knowledge, wisdom and knowledge. It's just... You, you see that, and I, you're probably going to, after tonight, see that more and more as you're reading Scripture. When you see wisdom, you're going to see knowledge, especially when it is referring to God. Not so much us. And yet, this Scripture is saying that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are where? It's a godly thing. So there it is. So I guess wisdom is based on knowledge. That's what Kathy was saying, right? You've got to have some knowledge before you have wisdom. So if you don't have any knowledge, are you going to have much wisdom? Okay, now we got to stop and think for just a second. So here we are, Wednesday nights in August. It's hot. People are standing over the little ventilators there to get cool. And, 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 and why are we here? Uh, because we're what? We're trying, to learn from God. we're trying to seek some wisdom from God. I mean, that's kind of the topic for tonight. And isn't it interesting? We may have there may be multiple reasons why we're why we're here. Not the least of which is is miraculous that any of us are here. And yet, so what we know is that in Christ is found all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and we want to be Christ-like. And so we're gaining knowledge. But it's not just about knowledge, is it? But how much about knowledge is it? Betty loves that website, gotquestions.org, <laughs> because you can type in a question, and, and they have something like, how many, uh, how many questions are there to now? 486,000 questions or something like that, that are biblical questions, and they have this huge panel of really solid, Bible-believing, um, evangelical Christians, and, uh, and I've, never found, uh, I've never found anything in there that isn't biblically solid. And, and it's a great place to go, isn't it? To gain knowledge. So from that knowledge, then, do we apply that knowledge 
so that we have wisdom. Because as Kathy said, what we, it, it's not wisdom unless you make the choice to put it in place and put it in practice, which is what God expects of us. So Tozer uses these five scriptures to underscore uh, the truth that, that God is all wise. He, he starts. And I, I was wondering, when I, when I read this several weeks ago, I was wondering, I wonder how, I wonder what he, I played a game with myself. I'm going through all these scripture references on the wisdom of God. Tozer picks five and puts them at the beginning of this chapter. How in the world does he do that? There are hundreds there are hundreds of biblical references to the wisdom of God. And I'm thinking, wow. I mean, you really got to be in the Spirit and have, the, and have God give you those scriptures because, I mean, I'm just sitting, uh, admittedly, in the flesh. I'm sitting looking through all these and saying, oh, I like that one. Oh, I like that one. I, I don't know where to go. I, I don't know where to go. It's all very supernatural. Very supernatural. So I'm assuming that you read them. And it's almost like a no-brainer. Did you have to read any of the rest of the chapter? I mean, you read five scriptures. The first one is Proverbs 3.19 that we've already read. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth and by understanding he established the heavens. I think, Kathy, you're the one somebody has said already already quoted one of the, uh, one scripture that it's, it's, what is the beginning of wisdom? Okay, we, we're, we're really familiar with that one. It's almost kind of like, okay, this is kind of easy, isn't it? God is all wisdom. We're to attain it. We're, we're to follow him. We're to gain wisdom. We're, we're to, 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 to have the knowledge. That's why we're here. One of the reasons anyway. Uh, uh, so that we can be knowledgeable. So that when something comes up, that we have the ability to... Make wise choices. Biblically wise. Biblically wise choices. How are we doing with that? You don't have to answer that. <laughs> I suppose it depends on the day, doesn't it? So it's kind of a no-brainer. So the, because we know that this is the case, that God is all wise. So does that make it simple? He took five scripture references. We've read a few more. We know God is all wise. It's an attribute of His. We believe it. No way. There's nobody in this room that doesn't believe it. I'm confident of that. So it's simple. Isn't it? But it's not simple to try to apply that. Okay? Alright, so then why doesn't it I guess I, the question then is, why doesn't it seem simple? It, it really is kind of simple, isn't it? Why doesn't it seem so? We believe it. But why, why doesn't it... Why, why is it difficult sometimes? Because we don't understand it? Well, what's the source of the wisdom that we're talking about? God is the source. How do you know that? Okay. Okay, but I'm, I I would guess that Susan would argue um, that uh, at the shop sometimes she runs across some experiences that are painful 
from time to time. I don't know, I heard a story once about a, about a state regulator that came in and said, hey, you didn't, you didn't do this paperwork right. Uh, by the way, uh, if you don't take this class, Mr. Smog Control Guy, if you don't take this class, uh, you will be shut down immediately. And oh, and here's a thousand dollar fine uh, because you didn't need to do this right. So she had this experience, uh, didn't you? Um, and um, uh, did you gain some knowledge from that? Of <laughs> course. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm using this. I didn't get your permission beforehand, but that's all right. You made it kind of public knowledge. Yeah. And so, so there's a $1,000 fine, and the state government says, you take the class, you pay the fine, or you're done. Well, we've appealed it. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, so so did, you, did you gain some knowledge? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, are you wiser today for that? Much. Is, uh, was, that a, was that a biblical event that took place? No. It wasn't. Sure. Well, see, because I'm wondering, see, because I'm wondering, because I want to go back to the question that we struggle with. I want to go back to the, the so if you gain some knowledge from that and you and you are a believer and if everybody in this room is a believer and, and we gain this, see, because we we had it. Here we go again. This is our box. This is the God's wisdom box. And then we're going to go over here. And this is Susan's box. And over here on Susan's box, this is the worldly box. Because we say all the time, don't we, that there's godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. The question is, is it? Is that worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom? Because did you have a worldly experience? So is there worldly wisdom and godly wisdom? Back to that question. Well, then turn to James three seventeen. <laughs> Actually, before you turn there, let's let's turn to Proverbs two six. Because you said y'all, y'all. I learned recently that you can only use the word y'all in the plural if you're just having a conversation. I couldn't go to to Brenda and say, hey y'all. That's not proper Southern English. It's only y'all if there's if there's more than one of you that I'm talking to. So if the two of you were there, I could say y'all. So y'all said that the source of wisdom is God. Proverbs two six. That's what the Bible says. Okay, that's what does the Bible say in Proverbs two six? For the Lord gives wisdom, and from His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Great. So what's the source of wisdom? God. Okay, and we're trying to, we establish one side, uh, we're still not done with this question yet, because there's one, there's one thought that says that there's one kind of wisdom. There's another thought, even in the church, by the way, um, in fact, I would say that it's really very common in the church, that there's godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. Okay, now turn to James 3.17. James 3.17 But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, 
full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. That wasn't the wisdom I got from the state. <laughs> 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 well, the state had a different kind of wisdom. I chose for my notes to, to use the uh, the ESV, but that says this. But the wisdom from above, where's it from? Yeah. And what's from? Okay, the wisdom. From, I would I would I paraphrase it this way. But the wisdom from God is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits. Impartial and sincere. God is the author of good, 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 good fruit. I love the fruit of the Spirit, but if you want to take a look at the real fruit, look, at, look no farther than Jesus. And then Proverbs twelve fifteen a says this, just the first portion of that scripture. Says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Uh oh. Now we're now now there's a little now that we have this tension again, and so I know you'll let me do this because you, you know that I love both of you. So we have the tension, the body comb roll and tension here is going to be. Wait a minute, there's one kind of wisdom, but all of a sudden we're confronted with a fool, perhaps using his own wisdom, okay? Because the rest of that verse in Proverbs 12:15 says, "But a wise man listens to advice." Okay, so the implication here is that obviously the fool doesn't listen to advice and is working on his own wisdom. But does that mean there's two kinds of wisdom? Because if there is, what's the source? We just established what the source of the wisdom is. The source of all wisdom is God. Kathy. Okay, good. Excellent. I like that. Okay, so the confusion is, are we talking about it in terms of it being a noun or a verb? So let's go back to the source of all wisdom. What is the source of all wisdom? God is the source of all wisdom. So we would agree with that. Universally, I would hope. God is the source because that's what the scripture says. And then we also see that, that there, is a, there is a source and then an application Okay, so there is an application of wisdom, and Proverbs says that the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And James says, but the wisdom from above is is exactly what we would expect it to be: pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And so the the tension that we have is: are we explaining this and defining it and categorizing it? Uh, as a as a as a verb or a noun, because where are we going for it? Where where are we going to try to gain this this knowledge? So how do we gain wisdom that comes from knowledge? We've established that, right? So how do we gain this this wisdom that comes from knowledge so that it can be applied? Okay, we can learn it by experience. Okay, and so then let's go back to Proverbs twelve fifteen. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. 
The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. So the writer of this proverb here, there's two, there's two different characters in this proverb, right? There's a fool and a, and a wise person. I mean, if you have your gender neutral NIV. <laughs> Sorry, it's commentary. You have the individual. Okay. So there's a fool and a wise person here. And the proverb says that a fool is believing that in his own wisdom, he's right. What's the contrast? Speak up. A believer and a non-believer. What other contrast is there? What who seeks out other knowledge and just goes not just to one source? Oh, could you say that again? What who seeks out knowledge from others and doesn't just go to one source? Okay, so the, the wise person is seeking out knowledge from others and doesn't just go to one source. But well, what's the other contrast? The because wise man is listening. Okay. To Okay, so he's relying on himself, and what isn't he doing? What what he's isn't the fool doing? Okay, so the so the fool is not approaching God for wisdom, and we already know the truth that God is the source of all wisdom. And so what is the what is so so what's happening in this between these two people? What is the contrast between these two people? In the context of there being one type of wisdom or two. There's just one kind of wisdom. Excuse me? One Okay. So see now it starts to get a little bit clearer. So we have somebody that is leveraging the truth. It's a clear distinction between the believers and the non believers. What happens in our secular society all the time? I, I love the debate right now with the whole Planned Parenthood thing, not to get off on, on politics, but that's not politics, that's morality in my view. But so nonetheless, we have this thing and we have these distinct lines that are drawn. And there's even people that are saying that I'm completely, uh, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian and yet I'm in, this, uh, I'm in this particular camp. And some are saying, well, I'm a Christian and I'm in, uh, I'm in this camp. And I'm wondering, I'm, I'm wondering where, uh, I wonder where, where scripture is in these people's lives. The, the, the source of all knowledge. Where, where, hello, God, where are you? What have they done? Wow! There is one source. Amen? So I think that we have to be careful because it is a verb noun kind of a problem. So what we have to do is we have to be careful about, about uh, you know, how we put God in the box. But we've got to be really careful with the attributes of God because there is one wise. There is one that is wise. There is one that is knowledgeable. There is one that is eternal. These are truths that cannot be denied. Well, you can deny them, but that doesn't make them not true. Okay? And so we have one source. 
So you can't categorize them as two different sources. There's only one source. There is one that is applying the truth of that source, right? And then there is one that is that is not. But it does not change the fact that God is all wise. And so we know that we have to gain wisdom. So turn to James one five. So if we lack wisdom, why would that be? <coughs> Anybody struggle with that scripture? <coughs> I was talking to my wife about it the other day. Actually, a couple of different people. And I said, you know, sometimes I wish that God would just take the top of my skull and open it up and just pour stuff in. You know, because I'm so dense. You know, you, you, ever, you ever do something stupid or think something stupid uh, and to find out that you really are stupid? I, I, I know you guys do that, but I do that way more frequently than I care to admit, but it, it happens. Um, and so James comes along and says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he says, ask God. Sometimes that's the last place I go, it seems. Yeah. I mean, what a... Yeah. What am I thinking? Because God's Word tells us that we gain wisdom by asking God. And He says here, James does, that, that God is going to give it generously. How much time do we spend asking God for wisdom? Oh, and I love this too. Because sometimes to ask God for wisdom is we have to thank Him for the circumstances in our life so that we can gain the, 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 the knowledge that comes from that in order to, to acquire the wisdom that will be necessary in, in order to make good godly decisions. Amen? But I don't like that. Because that's harder. I would rather just ask for it. It's like praying for patience. I try not to do that much anymore. <laughs> And when I do, I got to be prepared. Okay. And what about Proverbs nineteen twenty? Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Okay. So all of a sudden we're transitioning from God, who is all wise, God who is all knowledgeable, God who is all. Okay. Telling us how to gain wisdom. Okay. By asking for it, by listening to advice and accepting discipline. Oh, that's that's a piece of cake, isn't it? Don't you just love to accept discipline? Oh, sure. Don't you just love it when somebody comes over? Uh-huh. How about Proverbs 4, 6, and 7? Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Don't cross all you have. Get understanding. How important is wisdom according to God's word? That's a powerful scripture. So God's telling us not only how to acquire wisdom, but then he's telling us how important it is. So don't forsake it. Why do we do that? Because gaining it and learning about it and even applying it can be difficult. And yet, what's the outcome? The outcome is good. We're going to see that in just a minute. 
So there it is. Wisdom and understanding in that scripture uh, reference again. And Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through... I love this part. Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You realize that we can gain wisdom through what we're doing in singing the psalms, praying the psalms, admonishing one another. All right, come on, let's be honest. It's a lot easier to sing praises to God than it is to accept an admonishment from somebody. Especially if they don't know how to do it very well because they're not wise. <laughs> and ever had that experience in the church? You're not supposed to say. Listen, brother. Listen, brother. I, I need to talk to you. Yeah, I don't have enough faith. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, most of us have had that experience before, where somebody has wanted to admonish us for something or other, um, and I, literally, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why relationships are so important, right? Because it's hard to be admonished by somebody that doesn't appear to have the qualifications to be an admonisher. Challenge. Psalm 37, 30-31. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom. The tongue speaks what is just. The instruction of his God is in his heart. His steps do not falter. What happens if we choose not to ask for or seek wisdom? Because I'm telling you right now, in the church today, this is way common. Very few people seek wisdom. Very old. They'll give you their opinion in the church today. It comes from pulpits. I love listening to people from pulpits. It's crazy to some of the things that you hear from the pulpit. But it's very common. So what happens if we choose not to ask God for or seek wisdom? This is the wisdom that God is expecting us to attain. What happens? Pardon me? We remain stupid. Okay. Well, that's that's really interesting. I'm glad you said that. Turn to Proverbs 12.1. <laughs> And somebody please read Proverbs 12. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you love God's word? Because I'll tell you what, man, when it is just direct and simple and clear like that, I get that. I get that. Okay, so what's God teaching us in Proverbs 12.1? Mike, what's he teaching us? Don't be stupid. (laughs) And how do we not be stupid according to Proverbs 12.1? Yeah, through what? Being disciplined. Okay, that could be spiritual disciplines. That could be that could be being disciplined. Okay, 
So if you love that, you'll love being corrected. You will gain knowledge from that, and knowledge leads to wisdom. And so what are the results of wisdom? So as we attempt to acquire by asking for in lots of different forms, not just praying. You could get on your knees right now and pray for wisdom, and God will provide you with wisdom if you're praying with the right heart. Amen? No question about it. That's what God's word says. That verse right there would be a good model on a clock to hang in the kids' room when they're yeah, it might it might send them running from the truth too. But, so be careful what you what you put on your kid's wall, right? But what are the results? So if we're going to try to attain this wisdom that God calls us to, uh, so what what are, what are the results of of attaining this wisdom and not being stupid? Proverbs twenty nine eleven. We'll learn to love knowledge. Okay, that's a result. Will we? Okay. Okay, 29.11. Proverbs 29.11. We're going to be in Proverbs here for just a couple more minutes. A fool gives full bent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. So what's the result of, of attaining wisdom? Self-control. I love to tell the story because a friend of mine... Um, um, told me that I could. And um, uh, this is this is a man that had a self-control problem and a rage problem and an anger problem. And this is what God used uh, in his life uh, uh, to, to get control of that. Uh, he was at a hotel uh, complex uh, on the Colorado River with his family. And something had happened and he got very angry. And it was a self-centered angry, as, as he tells the story. And so he was going to make a point. And this is a man who works with his hands. And so he was going to make a point. And he was in a bit of a rage. And he took his fist and he crammed his fist into the door, thinking it was a hollow core door. It was a solid door. He broke every every bone in his fingers and his knuckles up to his, didn't break his wrist, but all, all of these bones he, he broke in his right hand. He works with his hands. And he said it was almost immediate that because of that sin and the lack of wisdom on how to deal with these situations, he said he went right to his knees and he said God broke him like he's never been broken before. Um, and then it cost him a whole lot of money because he couldn't work. God wasn't done with him yet. And I love that story because it's, it's very real. It, it went from stupid to gain knowledge and then wisdom and then the ability to put that wisdom in place. So self-control. What about Proverbs 18.8? I love this one. 8.18. What did I say? 8.18. With me are riches and honor enduring wealth and prosperity. Okay, with me. What's the me? Um, no. 
if you take a look at at, uh, at, at Proverbs eight, the, the, to get the context, wisdom's call. It's, it's wisdom's call. Okay, so that's the whole of Proverbs eight. It's pretty good, actually. Uh, you got to read all of Proverbs eight before you go to bed tonight. It's just one chapter, uh, and it's wisdom's call on our lives. So it's the me is wisdom. So you could you could uh, you could say this: with wisdom are riches and honor, enduring. Wealth and, and prosperity, and I would I would say that that's spiritual wealth and prosperity. So, with wisdom are riches and honor, not fat bank accounts, but that's a result of wisdom, riches and honor, all spiritual riches and honor, all spiritual wealth and prosperity from wisdom. Wisdom all of a sudden becomes pretty important. And then, what about another Proverbs eight passage, Proverbs eight thirty five and thirty six. The me is wisdom. So somebody read that again. For well, whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Stop right there. Don't read 36 yet. What happens when you find wisdom, Ernie? You get favor. What? Life. I, I love that. So so the body comb and role and tension here of there being, there's one wisdom. There's godly wisdom. Okay. Uh, there's that tension because we're in the world and the world throws a lot of stuff at us. But there's one wisdom. There's one truth. Okay? And then the proverb says that those who find wisdom find life and receive favor. How much time do we spend seeking wisdom? And then finish that verse 36. Ernie says, but whoever fails to find me harms himself. All who hate me love death. Wow. <laughs> now we're talking about that darkness thing again, aren't we? So look at the contrast. I picked that scripture because it was like, it, it like blows me away. Wow, I really like that. For those who find wisdom, find life and receive favor from the Lord. Woo-hoo! I like that. And then by contrast, he says, but those who fail to find me, that's wisdom, harm themselves, all who hate me, all who hate wisdom, world, being part of the world, love death, spiritual death. That's, I don't know about you, that's humbling. Read Proverbs 8 before you go to bed tonight. I'm telling you, it's a call for wisdom in our life. This God's wisdom this attribute of God, who He is, and what He calls us to, His actual expectations for us. And then He gives us this whole palette of, of things to do so that we can seek His wisdom, telling us that we'll be completely favored and blessed, unless we don't. I want you to read that again tonight before you go to bed, and then ask God in your prayer time, God, are you talking about are you talking about people that are saying that they're believers here? But those who fail to find me, wisdom, harm themselves, all who hate me, love death. Mm -hmm. Who are you talking to? Mm -hmm. Ask that question. Answer that question. I've got to answer that question for you. Because Proverbs 12.1 then says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. We said that already. Discipline, knowledge, that whoever doesn't attain it loves death. These are powerful things. 
And yet at the same time, we have some cautions. So God's word gives us some cautions about, about this godly wisdom. Can we settle the question about whether there are more than one kind of wisdom? Is anybody ready to do that biblically yet from what we've read in God's word? Are the Rollins ready yet to settle that issue? Or are you still... It's okay. You, you, you don't have to settle tonight. I'm just asking. Because there is that tension. We're, we're in the world. We're not of the world. Tension, 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 tension. The world is broken. We are saved. Tension, 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 tension. God is all-knowledgeable all wisdom the creation came out of his all knowledge and and his perfect wisdom okay until his creation decided that maybe they wanted to have a different kind of knowledge than God gave them tension 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 is there more than one kind of wisdom or is there really one kind of wisdom That doesn't. Lead to death. Okay, we're not we're not ready to answer that question. So <laughs> I think we got to seek the Lord on that. I think there's only one thing in the world, and that comes from God. And we might think we're wise, but just before we become man. Okay, so there are some cautions involved. So let's let's um, let's finish with this. Since God is all knowledgeable and He has all wisdom, and because um, you know we're we're here clearly seeking wisdom, Godly wisdom, right? So what do we what do we have to be careful of as we're as we're seeking that wisdom? I, I think about pastors when I think about about caution, caution, caution. Turn to Proverbs three seven. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Wow. Caution as we're seeking wisdom. Oh boy, this one gets abused all the time in the church, doesn't it? I'm wiser than you, so let me tell you the way it is. You ever heard that one before? You gotta really be careful. This takes a relationship and it takes it, it takes real godly people, humble people, to adhere to this caution. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Proverbs thirteen twenty. Caution, caution. Proverbs thirteen twenty. Don't you love the Proverbs? Hey, you want to seek some wisdom? Seek out some godly people in church and hang with them. And hang with them. Otherwise, if you're going to hang and if you don't have the wisdom or you don't have the maturity, which is okay if that's where you are in your, in your walk of sanctification, but be careful. Be careful. A companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, turns into one. 
1 Corinthians 3, 18-20 says, Do not deceive yourselves if any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age. Susan. You should become fools so that you may become wise. I love how God's Word always, always, always flips what the world tells us on its head. Let me read that again. Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools for Jesus so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written. He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. I love that. What kind of wisdom is there? One kind of wisdom. There is godly wisdom. But what the world would want you to believe is false. There's one kind of wisdom. There's only one kind of wisdom. You cannot be in the world and seeking worldly wisdom and have it applied and do anything other than deceive yourself. Because you're not of this world. Where do you reside? Where is your residence? Heaven. That's right. We're just passing through. And then, last two scriptures and then we'll close. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 is really powerful. This is what the Lord says. (laughs) Any questions? I always sit up on my chair when I hear that. Okay, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast about their wisdom. How many times have you heard that? I, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a student of, of pulpit ministries and even parachurch organizations. I love to read and I love to listen. And I love this one. Do not... Or let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts, boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight. Declares the Lord. <clears throat> wisdom flipped on its head. There is one wisdom. God all wise. Isaiah then says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. I love that word woe because when you go to when you go to the book of Revelation and you see all the woes, ah! <laughs> you know, there's a woo! So what does woe mean? Grief, sorrow, misery, calamity, curse. Woe. Isaiah says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Oh, man. I mean, we got to really be careful, guys. So God is all wisdom. It's who He is. And it's what He calls us to. And yet, if we boast about it, we're nothing better than just worldly wise. We're, we're nothing if we take that wisdom that he calls us to, and there's the tension, Susan, there's the tension between this one wisdom and what the world would have us do. 
I was in business for 35 years. I get it. I totally get it. What the world calls success, what the world calls wise, what it's totally wrong. It's upside down. There's only one wisdom. Only one. It's do you have it and are you living it? Because it is who God is. All wise. <clears throat> So he requires that of us. That obedience, the humility, the sacrifice that's necessary, and the time. This is called time. It takes time. We're sacrificing something to gain knowledge because knowledge leads to wisdom. Okay. There's humility because anybody that walks out here and says, Whoo-hoo, I'm wise. You scumbag. <laughs> We've kind of missed the point, haven't we? I've seen it. I've seen it. Caution, God says, caution. Seek His face. Seek His wisdom. Do it His way, not the world's way. There's not worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Although the world will tell you that, there's one wisdom. Only one. Tozer says, God always thinks of your highest good for the longest time. Your highest good for the longest time. This is the eternality of God. He is eternal. Amen? I love that. God always thinks of your highest good for the longest time. So if we're struggling with wisdom, we should be asking ourselves the question, why? <coughs> if there's only one source of income, go to the source. If there's only one wisdom, attain that. It's clear. And God puts it mostly in very positive terms. And I love this attribute of God all lives. Okay, I'm just going to seek that. It's settled. It's settled. Whatever the world says, turn it upside down. And we're on the right track. And then it's, it's in the Word of God. And we spend time together. And we seek this, wisdom, this, this, this um, godly wisdom for counsel. One day at a time. So the question for the night is, do we trust him? He's the source. Do we trust him? We probably see tonight, the whole chapter, ask yourself the question, God, do I trust you? Because if you do, you got to trust him with all. Because you see, he is all. The question is, are we Amen. Right. Let's pray, and then we're going to then we're going to sing one last song. It's a great song. Okay. All right. Let's pray. Father, you are all wise, all knowledgeable. Frankly, Lord, you are all everything. And God, as we come before you tonight. We don't understand, but we want to seek. Our prayer tonight, Lord, is, is that we would seek your face in all things. 
God, that we would submit to you and your truths in every aspect of our lives. Will you help us, God, to be all in? Will you help us, God, that as we begin to gain knowledge, not only of who you are and your attributes, God, but how much you even love us, God, so that we could apply that in every aspect of our life because you want to bless us and that you do everything for us, God, out of love. That you want our highest good always for the longest time. That's eternity. Lord, we can just so thank you for these truths that quite frankly, Lord, are really so evident. And yet help us, God, where we are lacking. That we can apprehend these truths, God, that we don't completely comprehend, and then just put them in practice, Lord, to glorify you. And in the process, Lord, be blessed ourselves as you have designed it. So we thank you for that, God. We thank you that we can leave here tonight refreshed. We thank you that we can leave here tonight hopefully with something revealed. We we can leave here tonight, God, knowing, trusting that you are all wise, all knowledgeable, and all for us. And we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.